You're listening to the Hard Hedge, UVA's only independent basketball podcast hosted by two guys, one of whom happens to be a fake coach. Fake coach. Get up out your seat, you can have my drink, let me see you dance. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Pittman and Phony Bennett. When the sun falls, the sun falls, then the moonlights, the moonlights, might be a hell of a night, go, go. And welcome, my fellow Virginia basketball junkies, to the premiere edition of the 2016-17 Hard Hedge podcast. We are thrilled to be back with you. I am the aforementioned Mike Pittman. You can find me at Wahoo Basketball on Twitter. And before I bring in the rest of the panel, let me apologize for all of us uh, that we have not provided the same amount of off-season content as we did last year. Unfortunately, uh, Real life kind of got in the way a little bit this summer, but we are back and committed to recording this year, at least bi-weekly, we hope, uh, with all kinds of great guests and great content. We're just pumped to be back and talking college basketball again. Uh, with that being said, let me bring in my partner in crime, uh, whose legend only seems to grow every season. You can find him at if Tony tweeted. On Twitter, he is the one, the only phony Bennett. How goes it, brother? Hey, man. Man, I, I've been looking forward to this all day. Like, it's we. It's been so long since we've done an episode, and the season is uh, just about to start. So I'm I'm getting that feeling again. So I'm I'm happy to be here, and I uh, appreciate everyone you know tweeting us during the off season and and asking when you guys going to do one. It's it's nice that uh, we got folks out there who uh, you know want to hear what we have to say. We're thankful. Absolutely. And uh, next, our resident guru. You can find him at Embrace Pace UVA. Daniel O'Neill. How has the summer treated you, pal? It's pretty good. I mean. Summer, it was, it was a while ago. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, went by quickly, but uh, I mean, it stinks to not have the sun and warm weather anymore. But it's, I mean, I'm on the on the plus side, it's, it's basketball season again. That's that's the most exciting part. Hey, man, it's going to be eighty some degrees tomorrow, so we have a little bit more sunshine <laughs> left. Uh, last and certainly not le- least, you can find him at University Ball. Do not miss his outstanding game previews before every game. Charlie Saul Wasser is back with us. Charlie, welcome. First of all. To the new little one in the family, I hope uh, everything's going great. Hey, thanks. Uh, this is as close as a 33-year-old man gets to feeling like the first day of school. It's good to be back chopping it up with you guys. Uh, we're only about 10 days away from me feeling like I'm over Syracuse. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's been a, a bitter pill to swallow for sure. But I knew somebody uh, would bring that up tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, well, listen, I'll change the subject one way. 89 and 19 overall in the last three seasons, 45 and 9 in the ACC, one of two teams to finish in the top 10 three straight years. So let's just wash ourselves of Syracuse right now and just let's talk about that. And, and basically, I want to dive right, right into it and kind of go around the panel here and discuss, you know, what are you most curious about this season? How good will this team be? And let's just uh, get all out there and, and kind of, uh, kick some things around. I'll start with you, Phony. Uh, the rotation. I mean, this is the most talent Tony's ever had in Charlottesville. To probably Tony's ever had on a team. And what are we going to do with all this talent? Who's going to get left out? Who's going to uh, surprise us? I mean, if we know anything from past seasons, it's that by the end of the season, the starters are going to look very different from the start of the season. And, and some guys are going to make some big jumps. We don't know who that's going to be, which of the newcomers are going to step up big, uh, if there's going to be any disappointments, if you will. So that that's I, I'm just I'm just looking at that that huge rotation, and it's a it's a nice problem for Tony to have. But uh, 
it's it's not going to be without some growing pains. Well, heck, let's let's just put Daniel right on the spot with that question. Who 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 are the odd men out? I mean, this is the the question that everybody has. Um, you know, the the coverage off season has tried to uh, you know pick out uh, guys for particular reasons. But in your opinion, Daniel, who's uh, what's the rotation going to look like? Uh, I mean, I think like like Funny mentioned, that question could mean something completely different in mid-November versus what it means in, in January versus what it'll mean in February and March. Um, I think it, it makes Tony's job a little bit easier in terms of trimming down the rotation if we're going to have players suspended and rolled out by the NCAA. That, that, that makes, that makes, uh, takes a decision oh. out of his hands. But, uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry about that one. But, uh, no, I think, I mean, you have your core group of guys that I think we know are going to play um, in – or at least be active in that rotation. And guys like London Prentice, um, I think Isaiah Wilkins is another lock there. I think Austin Nichols is brought here for a reason. He's going to be a big piece for this team. Um, and then you have your real core. Uh, I'm not sure if we have a, a good name for him or anything yet, but you have the three sort of returning guards in Devin Hall, Darius Thompson, and Marielle Shayok. Um, I think those are the ones that really stick out initially um, as, as sort of being locks for at least being in the rotation. Now, obviously, it could be have some ups and downs in terms of uh, whether they're starting and how, how much minutes they get throughout the season because, um, again, they'll be challenged by the, the young talent. But I think you could throw in um, – I'd, I'd throw in Kyle Guy, uh, Jared Reuter, and uh, Mamadi Diakite uh, to really fill out that rotation and, and be the regulars um, when we start looking at a 9-10 men uh, rotation sort of as the season winds, uh, keeps going. But, uh, so who yeah, does that I mean, leave out? What? So who does that leave out? Uh, I think it really it leaves out uh, Jack Salt. Um, I think Jay Hoff uh, is someone that I still am, I believe he won't redshirt because I think the staff will be too tempted by, by what's there. And, and it, there's always the case with, with someone like him that if that, if that light bulb goes on with his – just pure ability um, and just how much of a matchup nightmare he can be. Uh, if, if that learning curve really goes along quicker than expected uh, in March, he could be a real asset. Um, but still, I think that's hard to really bank on. So I'd say there's probably a better chance than not that he might be one of the odd men out. And then, uh, I mean, I'm surprising myself to say this, but I think uh, DeAndre Hunter might be uh, out of that rotation a little bit too, but again, could be completely wrong. Cause it's, He's someone I've been extremely high on. Uh, he just seemed a little tentative in, um, in the scrimmage the other day. And um, just with the just level, level, level of competition, I've been thinking more about the, the returning guards. And I think it might be a tougher, tougher battle for someone like him. Well, that's perfect. Let's, let's bring Charlie in on that. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, for, for what it's worth, was nursing a, a pretty bad ankle injury before that scrimmage. But let's before we dive hard into the into the young guys which i think will be a very uh, important segment charlie i want to hear your uh, opinion on the three returning guards and that that is the big question mark for me and who's going to emerge and, and how we see those minutes playing out just talk a little bit about uh thompson paul and uh shayok and what you expect from those guys who emerges from those guys and uh, you know we'll, we'll reveal our starters uh later but uh who do you expect to really uh, get the lion's share of the minutes at the guard spot. Um, well, I mean, as you all know, I've been a big Devin Hall fan since he first arrived on grounds. And I think the third year, 
in this Virginia program is when guys really seem to take the leap, especially on offense. And I think, I think he's ready to take that step. I think there are a few and really take over a large portion of the minutes next to London in the backcourt. Um, some reasons for this. I think we're going to want to play London off the ball some so he can hunt shots and not just run the offense. And I think Hall is probably the best of those three guys at getting us into it. And then with Malcolm Brogdon moving on, we're going to need somebody who is ready to stick the opponent's best wing night in and night out. And Hall showed, especially toward the end of last season, especially against Butler, that he had the ability to block a guy and take him out of his game for a, most of a game. I think his, his, uh, his basketball IQ is picked up, and I think he's perhaps ready to make the next step. Yeah, see, I'm with you, Charlie. The uh, you know, g- getting London off the ball more. I mean, he was one of our most prolific scorers last year. Uh, you know, from an efficiency standpoint, like get him off off the ball more. So I think, yeah, you're gonna see Devin, you know, running the point a lot for us. I, I'm looking for his role to expand too. Yeah, because we're looking. I mean, none none of these guys are proven scorers coming back, except for I mean, London's our only double figure scorer on this program. I mean, obviously Austin is a little bit of an unknown quantity with how he's going to fit the personnel in the scheme. London's the lone double figure scorer, probably the best, the best shooter we've seen in game action. He's the proven quantity. So we're going to want to get him looks and it's going to be difficult to do that. If he's also always running point. I mean, London is not exactly Russell Westbrook as far as just like the athletic ability and blazing speed to get his own shot. So I think we're going to want somebody on the floor with him who can take a little bit of that ball handling load off. Um, yeah. That guy could also ju- possibly that that guy could also be Darius, but I think Devin has a is a better passer and generally has a better eye than Darius has shown so far. Mike, sorry, what were you saying, man? No problem. Yeah, so I, it's it's such an interesting question because I I could make the case and genuinely believe it for all three guys that that this guy is going to emerge a little bit more. This guy is this guy is I. I think Devin is probably the most complete and experienced, so I do think that that he will start and probably see the lion's share of the minutes. I feel like Shayok is is kind of the forgotten guy, and there were some things I saw from him late in the season. I you know I watched so much tape on him in high school, and really he was a he was a drive to the dish guy. He he did it at will, got to the free throw line a lot, made a lot of free throws in high school. His perimeter shooting was like an ancillary part of his game. He comes to Virginia, he, he becomes kind of a perimeter shooter that relies on three-point shooting and a lot of those like 18-foot jumpers off curls that, frankly, I was never a big fan of his shot selection a lot early in his career. But when I saw late in the season, he started lowering his head and getting to the dish. He was finishing. I saw that kind of uh, play that I saw from him in, in high school, and I think it makes him a lot more dynamic player when he does that. I also saw stretches, the Charleston tournament last year, where he was probably Virginia's best player overall. Um, I think he's the most versatile defender. Apparently he's lost 20 pounds, which kind of surprised me. Mm. Uh, he's really kind of tightened things up this off season. Uh, I, I think it's kind of like, I feel like I know what I'm going to get out of Thompson and Hall. Uh, and I think that they will be big contributors, both of them. You know, Shayok, I think the ceiling might even be higher uh, than those other two. It's just, I don't know uh, if that's, if that's what I'm going to get. So uh, you know, we'll see. Daniel, you didn't get a chance to chime in there. Did you have any feedback on those guys? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one thing I wanted to point out, um, I mean, we've always been sort of leading the, the Devin Hall bandwagon uh, on this podcast. Go Devin. But, uh, yeah, and uh, I think that it's it's important to point out 
all of those players are, I mean, those three players are very, very different. Like each of them has their own skill set, um, their own strengths, their own weaknesses. But I think the one thing that gives Devin an edge over the other two is I think he probably has earned more of Tony's trust um, than the other yeah. two. Um, I think that if it's if it's a really a tense situation at the end of a game um, in March or whatnot, uh, I think if I mean if Tony's got to pick between those three, I think Devin's really first in line because. He's definitely like like you pointed out. He's he's probably the most solid across the board player. Um, I've really really liked his defensive improvement. I think he could be really not. I mean, when he came in the program, I mean in high school, if you watched him play for Cape Henry, he was really not a good defender at all. Um, part of that was because he kind of had an awkward, awkwardly large body for the position he was playing and couldn't really stick with people. But then also he just wasn't playing smart defense. Um, but the biggest thing about him is he's always been coachable. He's always been willing. He's a hard worker. And it's it's really shown the defensive end to the point that I think he's not only an adequate defender, but I think he's probably one of the best defenders on the team and probably one of the better defenders in the league. Um, and I think he'll prove that this year. And so I think that when we're talking about the rotation and minutes and everything like that, um, it's a key point to to keep in mind is that maybe his, his upside, his ceiling might be a little bit lower, but I, I think that the trust level that, uh, Bennett has in him um, is is gonna definitely earn him minutes pretty much no matter what. No, I think yeah, I think well, he nailed it. We've we've watched him earn Tony's trust, and and you know there were he times ha- he, he definitely didn't have it initially. No, no, and we we were loving what he was trying to do, but that's that's not what what Tony was putting him in for, and and so you know he he's evolved into that player, and I, yeah, I think his his role and and his impact is just gonna grow, and and. With with Shayok, you you make a good point. I mean, I think Shayok's ceiling is higher. I think he's, um, which in some ways means he's underperformed com- compared to Devin Hall because there's more that I expect Shayok to do. I mean, the the guy is so long, and yeah, when he when he drives, you know, we had some questions about him early on. I think uh, about his handle, you know, on those drives, but he, I think he's gotten a better at that, and I definitely want to see a, a, a lot more of that from him. Well, I think Barry Hall's, I mean, you just touched on it. I think he's going to have to gain control of himself a little more on the floor. And maybe a little bit of, is just, maybe that's getting uninterrupted time without getting hurt or without getting back in the doghouse. But he needs to cut down on turnovers. And he needs to cut down on fouls on the defensive end. Because it seems like Mariel's kind of had a hard time getting out of his own way. Like, he'll have a little bit of a hot stretch. But then his handles have never quite been there. And he has just kind of a propensity for the bad turnover at the wrong time. And then similarly, his foul rate has always been pretty high for a wing in Tony's program. And if he's going to see major minutes, he needs to be able to stay on the floor more. And those are just like, I kind of, I almost feel like Marial is maybe the most likely, while the ceiling is very high, he might be the most likely of these three guards to get beaten out by one of the newcomers. I mean, I look at Marial and I look at a guy like, DeAndre or a guy, I mean, Kyle Guy is going to be hungry for minutes. And you wonder if what they could possibly bring to the table could be bigger and better than what one of these three is going to be offering. No, I have the same question about Darius Thompson. And, and it's interesting that, that no one's really touched on him yet because, I mean, he can, he, he's shown these, these stretches where he's incredibly athletic. I mean, he was a starter uh, early on last year, but then he just disappeared, I, I think, for part of the season really. And, and um, the, he was one hit big shot against Wake Forest, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, he's, he's got some, some pretty good stuff going for him, but uh, 
it's whether he fills a, a particular role that, that we need or, or one of those guys who can, you know, either really shoot it or, or is a really great defender, you know, can out-muscle him for minutes. That's yeah, really I mean, he was stuff that, that Charlie brought up there because all three of the guys, uh, you know, I think that's kind of, the, you know, the knock, if you want to call it that, on all of them is that they've all flashed brilliantly at times and, and, and disappeared a little bit at times. So, you know, do one of the young guys uh, have the capability of stepping in and kind of being more more consistent? Uh, you know, uh, Daniel, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that that's an interesting uh, it's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I was going to add is that like he, Darius was in non conference play. I mean, he had it was just a weird season for him last year because basically started off the season as a starter and was playing well, and I think there was even a time where he was averaging like ten or eleven points a game. Um, he scored really double contributing straight. What was that? He scored double figures in five straight in the beginning of December. Yeah, and like he he was sort of creative and found different ways to score. Um, and obviously, he's never going to be sort of a go-to shooter. Um, but I, I have high hopes for him this year. I think I have a feeling um, whether it's maybe not this year, maybe it's next year. I th- I could definitely see a situation where it really clicks for him. He's, he has a lot of sort of raw abilities. Um, Best feel for of, the game out of all three of them, no question. Yeah, and that was a weird. That was a weird thing is that sort of went away, and that's that's why he he saw his minutes uh, sort of decrease as the season went on, and why he he seemed out of place at times. It seemed like his feel was definitely off. Like yeah, I, he got a little I, bit there, passive. There, yeah. there were times where I almost wondered whether he was he was hurt or sick or something like that because he just didn't seem he seemed like a completely different player from the beginning of the year. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, there's he adds a different element to this team. Um, he's he's probably one of the more ne- unique players on the roster. Um, and I think that if he can if he can show consistent uh, defense, which is what we sort of expected from him uh, coming into last year, and it, he didn't really show that. Um, definitely showed it at times. So definitely not the consistency part of it. If he can defend consistently um, with the young pieces coming in, I think. We've said this for a while now, but I could really actually see them trying to make a case of, of getting the ball out and running and being, we've been opportunistic in the past, but really maybe pushing it a bit more than we have. And if we're going to do that, Darius is the guy to do that because he's clearly far and away our best transition player. And probably I'd put him up there with some of the better transition players in the league. Um, he just knows what he's doing in transition and he knows how to finish. So if we do go that route, which I think could be very um, enticing with with the players we have on this roster this year, um, I, I think that that'll definitely mean more minutes for him and probably a greater role overall. Well, what's interesting, guys, is what I've heard is that what makes it such a great conversation uh, is that the coaches, even, even as of now, have pretty much determined the starters at the other spots and that they are still trying to figure out uh, what exactly their rotation is going to be at that at that spot so it's a it's 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 a tough one for for everybody to figure out so let's let's move on uh to the young guys and then we'll touch on the post um but let's start with the young guys because that i think is going to be a very interesting dynamic of the team obviously it's it's the great unknown going into a new season it is the most talented recruiting class i think arguably in the history of the school uh we know that that jay huff original expectation upon committing was to redshirt we have all heard that he has flashed very, very well um, in uh, off-season training and scrimmages. 
So maybe it's more of a coin flip now, whether or not he redshirts. But let's let's talk about what our expectations are for for all four of the guys, and um, we'll start with you, Fonny. Let me know, uh, you know, what you think these guys are going to give us this season. All right, we'll 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 start with Jay, and that's the thing. Like like you, we've heard there's there's still a good chance of of redshirt, but then you you watch him and he he had some good moments in the blue and white game, and I mean the guy he he's got such a great jump shot and i mean there's there's so much going for him you wonder if he's as good as as a lot of us hope he can be is that going to take four years for him to reach that or is that just going to take three years before he can take that next step if that's the case then then you use him this year if you can i think um you know because he, he may not be here four years and, and that may not mean that he gets a lot of minutes but maybe you don't fret about you know burning a red shirt i mean i think he's a guy that can help and and you never know if he's the guy that you know, suddenly the weight starts coming on, and and you know he just gets the game, uh, and can go on. So, so you got him, Ty Jerome. You know he's kind of up in the air. I mean, we can we can use him, but I have no idea what to expect. I think we know that Kyle Guy and DeAndre Hunter are going to play this year. Uh, we heard a lot of good stuff about DeAndre Hunter during the summertime, and uh, Kyle Guy has certainly turned on lately. I think the the VCU secret super secret scrimmage that they had we, we heard what 27 points was that the total um so both those guys i think are going to be major contributors whether or not they they end up being starters that they've got a ways to go before that happens but uh those are the obviously the two youngsters that i think we're going to see the most from daniel yeah i mean uh, i'll touch on on jay a little bit more too um if i'm being completely honest when when everything went down and uh, Sasha Clay Jones decommitted, and then shortly, I think it was shortly after Huff uh, committed to Virginia, it was pretty clear those two might have been related. Um, but I was I was very disappointed. I, I was a big fan of uh, of Sasha's, and from <clears throat> from what I'd seen from Jay Huff, um, I was I was pretty skeptical. Um, I, there was clearly some potential there, but uh, the film I had seen, he was clearly very raw and um I, I could get what people sort of saw in him but I, I thought he was nowhere near uh ready or anything like that um not even just physically but even in terms of sort of his skill set and game uh by now i've done basically a complete 180 on that uh i've seen more film of of jay and he's it's not just a case of, of seeing more more tape against more teams but he has improved just so tremendously um, in all areas of his game. Um, obviously, he's still very skinny, but he's obviously put on some good weight so far since being in school. But there's there's just a skill set there, and there's just a raw athleticism for someone his size. Like I've I've really seen someone like watching high school tape, and some of this is is he's playing against smaller teams, but he just looks so darn big when he plays. And the biggest reason for that is that he's a seven footer with sort of the leap of like a a six six wing that can dunk left and right, um, which is just something you you just never see pretty much. Um, which I think that's that's why I think we will see him play this year, um, just because I, I I think he's someone that the staff realistically knows it's possible that he might not be a four year player if um, like I was talking before if things progress as uh, as quickly as they could. Um, if that's the case, and if, if you think that he can contribute this year, then I think you should play him, even given the depth we have, um, just because of, uh, he's just such a uh, a unique talent that um, 
can help us on, on both sides of the ball, really. If people obviously talk about his jump shot and just his ability to, to handle the ball for someone his size, but he, he can block the hell out of some shots. I mean, he, he was blocking shots in Europe. I remember seeing from the highlights. And that's the thing is that even, even if he's given up 15, 20, 30, whatever pounds to someone, his arms are so long and the way he plays defense, he, he can sort of get like banged down further into the post and then someone will go up and he'll just sort of push the ball down on top of him. Um, he does that all. I've seen him do that numerous times. And I think as a defender, he's, he's an asset as well just because someone that can move the way he does as long as he is and ha- that can jump like he does. You put a post double with him and Mamadi, that could scare some teams. Um, again, also the way that the game's changing, you don't see a lot of real big bigs. If it, like Bam Adebayo is is one that comes to mind that would, that would sort of scare me going up off. But even though they have gone up against each other in the past, um, you, I mean the game is obviously transitioning towards having four out, one in, and and really having guys uh, that can shoot the ball at all positions. So. I think that that plays into um, the fact the fact that he probably won't have to go up against so many really physical big post players will give him an opportunity. Um, just so I don't go on too long, I'll, I'll touch briefly on Kyle Guy. Uh, I think I've been on record saying that I think he's going to start day one. Uh, I've said that for a while now. I've, I'm not sure if I truly believe that still in terms of uh, next Friday night will he actually be in the starting lineup, but. Um, I do think he will start. He will become a starter during this year. Um, probably, I think it'll happen during non-conference play. Um, could very well be on night one, but uh, a little less sure. But I think he's going to be a big role, a big player this season just because he's instant offense. He's someone that can score sort of effortlessly and also scores sort of – he scores within the offense, which I like. Um, he's not someone you just have to kind of give the ball to, and he's – Gets, takes 15 shots and gets his points that way. He he finds opportunities and takes advantage of them. Um, that's the thing that I think Tony really likes in him, and I think that's how he can carve out a nice role this year. We won't need him to be – I mean, it'd be nice if he was a 25-point-a-game uh, person, uh, but I, I think that he can get a quiet 12 or 13 points a night uh, just from being opportunistic and knocking down threes. I'm excited. I'm excited to see Huff. A buddy of mine today compared him to Kristaps Porzingis. And a guy, I mean, that kind of player, I feel like you have to give him some time. As for Guy, I'm, I know his on-court contributions, like basketball-wise, are going to be big. But I almost see him as the spiritual successor to like the nastiness that an Akeel Mitchell or a Justin Anderson, like the nastiness, the emotion, the like... Tony's guys can tend to be a little placid sometimes. And there have been games where I'm ready. Like, I feel like somebody on the team needs to rattle the cage and get guys pumped a little bit. And I feel like one game and I keep, I know we keep saying guy, but Kyle is going to be the guy to probably continue that. I think, and I'm looking forward to seeing somebody with some swagger, energize the crowd, energize the team and kind of give us a little jumpstart. Yeah, I have to shout out, shout out someone. I forget who it was, but someone on online uh, called him Bun and Done. I'm a big fan <laughs> of that nickname. I endorse it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the swagger, and I'm trying not to be like the old man who's like, oh my goodness, you know, because we haven't had a player quite like that. I mean, you know, J- Justin Anderson was was vocal and energetic, but he he wasn't 
he, he wasn't cocky, and you kind of get the impression that that Kyle Guy may be more like that. Not not necessarily in a bad way, but th- that's that's his thing. And uh, so I'm 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 trying to wrap my head around that. Uh, I I think it's going to be good. It's the kind of thing this team needs because like, and you pointed out, Daniel. Yeah, there've been games uh, where we could have used that. You guys, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I in fact, if you follow me on Twitter, those listening, it's something that I kind of pine for more and more. I, I agree. If I'm going to, you know, point out any shortcomings and it's hard to do that with the numbers that I said earlier about how good this team is, I think, you know, in, in big moments and big games, you need big emotion sometime to overcome, um, everything else that's happening in the contest. We, I think we've lacked that at, at times you can't, you know, let it get the best of you. It can be a detriment to your team as well, but Kyle Guy plays with edge. I've loved it about him since the first tape I watched on him. I love the way he interacts with people that hate on him on Twitter. I think that he has the mentality of a superstar and a guy that is going to bring emotion into the building at John Paul Jones Arena and into big games and big moments. I think it is his biggest asset that I am looking forward to outside of raw scoring ability. Uh, One quick thing, what's interesting to me about Jay Huff is I've seen Tony Bennett mention twice this offseason that Jay Huff plays with the nasty streak, that he can get quote-unquote ornery out there. And for a guy that's 6'11", 7 feet, that looks like a beanpole, people think this is kind of a soft kid. I'll tell you, when I watch high school tape on him, he doesn't play that way. And I know he was a foot and a half taller than everybody out there, but he plays with a little bit of an edge and a little bit of I'm better than you that's just a a little bit more discreet than Kyle Guy. Um, and the other thing is, Jay Huff is a good defensive player, Daniel. Like, I, I think he's instinctive. I think that was the thing that really people were missing when they talked about him in high school, is, is you just saw a raw beanpole with offensive ability. But, but if you looked a little closer, you saw some defensive uh, uh, ability to, to leap and anticipate. Uh, you saw kind of a smart, heady defensive movement within his team's defense i thought anyways in the tape that i watched and um you know i'm very interested to see if he plays or not this year because i think he could be a real asset but at the same time with the depth that we have if he's willing to redshirt and we don't need him i almost think it's one of those things where do you do you wait and kind of see how the early season shakes out and and then and then make that determination i i don't know but we'll see um ty jerome I think is the guy that that is going to have to redshirt. He, he he missed some time due to an injury, uh, but he has played pretty well. They love that his feel for the game. They think he's kind of like a London Perantes Jr. Um, in the way that he plays on the court. Uh, but I will tell you, um, I I think that he's a, a a kid that does have a bright future uh, down the road. So let let's move into the post play um, a, a little bit and kind of try to wrap our head around the rotation down there, Charlie. I'll start with you. Um, there's there's been some talk recently about Jared Reuter uh, kind of emerging as as more of a, a, a threat than people had originally. Been some thought. talk. You're so coy, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to dive too much deeper into that. But you guys kind of uh, you know give us some, give me some feedback on how you think that the rotation will play out inside. Well, with regard to Reuter, every off season you can kind of put your ear out to what. I mean, Jeff White will deliver maybe a couple of basketball pieces during the offseason. And generally, I feel like there's probably, it coincides pretty well, the guys he's writing with, with guys that are having great offseasons and are expected to do things. 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure there was a Reuters article not that wrong, long ago. And that kind of works. I've been thinking that with the crop of bigs we have, with Anthony Gill and Mike Toby moving on, that, I mean, Austin Nichols, good shot blocker, good post scorer, a little bit of a mid-range game. He could do things. Um, Isaiah Wilkins can do a lot of things, mid-range, uh, smart defender, good jump shooter. But none of these guys are, have really shown a willingness to mix it up on either backboard at this point. And Reuter, granted, small sample size, but, I mean, he pulled down 16% of defensive boards and hit double digits as an offensive rebound rate last year and really just always showed a willingness to box out and get on a guy. And his footwork from an 18-, 19-year-old freshman was probably better than any big man I can remember seeing come through in a long time. So I think just fundamentally that gives him a little bit of a heads up, a little bit of a head start on other guys, even though he may not be, I mean, he's certainly not a burner. He's not fast and he's not all that. He's not particularly tall, but he's wide, he's strong, and he's very fundamentally sound. I can see him. I mean, I had him, I have him projected probably to be the third or fourth big, but I think we're going to need all of these guys. So I think he plays a pretty big role. Yeah, I mean we've we've talked about his footwork before, and and it's something that we haven't always had guys that that had that kind of footwork. And he, he's a great passing big as well. And I don't know, I was trying to think of who worked as hard as he does when he's in the game. And Joe Harris is is really the only comparable that I look at, and you can tell, okay, this guy is given maximum effort, and so I, I like to see him out there. And uh, like, like you guys, I I think we're gonna see a lot more than maybe some folks expected. And I mean, he took over. He took over the Cal game for a stretch on offense against a couple. I mean, against a guy Jalen Brown was in that game, who is now a Boston Celtic. And I mean, he did a great job getting to the basket, getting to the foul line. So it's not like his. I mean, his offensive game isn't doesn't have potential to be explosive as well. Daniel, I think the thing that um, I like a lot about our sort of interior options is just we have a lot of like very interesting combinations that we could go with um like the thing is we really have some some serious sizes here um we're adding guys like mommy diakite and jay huff if he does play um along with uh a jack salt who's big in there austin nichols has some size and length um so the nice thing about that is is we have the luxury to really to pair them up pair up someone like Reuter, someone like Wilkins with someone bigger that can protect the rim. Um, that frees up a lot of, that opens a lot of doors, uh, both ends of the floor. Um, one of the things that I think we kind of struggled with last year was, um, well, obviously we did have Mike Toby. Uh, his usage wasn't terribly high for the seven-foot senior. Um, we had a lot of stretches where Anthony Gill was playing the five alongside Isaiah Wilkins. Those are Two people that I'm, uh, I, I would guess are both under six eight with shoes with like without shoes definitely Isaiah and uh, I think Anthony's probably a hair under six eight um, as a well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think having a true big man down low, even if it's not a bruiser like Salt, but even someone like Mamani with with real length and ability to alter shots as well as clean up things on the offensive glass. Uh, that that allows you to 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 really find a, a nice uh, role for someone like Reuter, who has a lot of skills, but maybe on a team uh, 
on a roster like last year, there wasn't really a great fit when guys like Isaiah and Anthony were already sort of taking those minutes. Um, I think just the ability to pair these guys and come up with some interesting combinations um, will be something that will allow someone like uh, Reuter and, and, and Isaiah Wilkins, those type of players, to really thrive alongside those those bigger guys down low. Well, I saw a couple preseason um, player rankings that had Austin Nichols, you know, crazy high overall, twelfth uh, best player in the country according to one poll I saw. I'll open the, open this up to whoever wants to take it. What exactly should our level of expectation be from from Austin? Is he going to be a a thirteen ten type guy? And um, you know, will he? how will he fit defensively into the system? I'll say, I'll say, uh, I'll start with this. Um, I think like, uh, I, I'm very high on us, Nichols. I always have been since we were recruiting him uh, out of high school and I thought we were going to land him. Um, I've always been very, a very big fan of his game. Um, I think that the ranking of like 12th or preseason All-Americans, I, I think he, he has deserved that recognition. I don't think what will actually come to fruition because I don't think he's going to put up sort of monster numbers, the, the type of monster numbers that those, those accolades really require, or at, least, or at least to be in a conversation for them. You know, a lot, of us, a lot of us thought that about ACC Player of the Year. I was one of those folks that said, yeah, I, I, Tony Bennett guy is never going to be ACC Player of the Year, and I was proven wrong. So. That's, that's, that's true, but, um, but I, I think especially on, on a team as deep as this one with as many options, it might be hard to... And especially as a post player as well, it's hard to really to fill it up as, as well. Um, but the thing I, I'm most excited about with Nichols is just, I think he's honestly a really good fit um, in our offense. Uh, I think in terms of being a blocker and, and, and the way he moves and the way he works with his guards is something I've, I've sort of always noticed with him. Um, he's one of the best sort of sealers, for lack of a better word. Um, He's really good at using his body to get uh, to put himself in position. Uh, most of his, if you watch highlights of him in Memphis, it, it doesn't seem terribly impressive because most of his shots are, are really dunks and layups. Um, but but if you really take a closer look at the tape, there's a reason he's getting those dunks and layups. He's sealing his guy. He's pinning them down low. He's getting in good position. And he's he's calling for the ball in the right spot. Um, that's where I think he really fits nicely into this offense. And I'm excited to see him play with with someone like what London Parentes and Devin Hall who can uh, who will be able to feed him the ball uh, in those good spots. Um, defensively, I think it, it's it's sort of a, a mixed bag in terms of he's definitely going to help us in terms of being a, a shot blocker that can alter shots. I mean, we've missed the past couple of years. Um, but also, I am a little concerned in, in terms of how he plays in, in sort of the actual pack line and, and uh, I mean, we're on the hard hedge now. I, I, that's something that I noticed watching some tape recently. Is uh, and again, we could we could pin this on Passer in Memphis and their lack of defense in general. But he was really not a strong hedger at all um, at Memphis, and 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 probably overall wasn't a great defender outside of simply shot blocking. Um, so I think there may, maybe there might be a learning curve there um, in terms of uh, getting fully integrated in the system and actual game action. Um, but I think he can be a good, solid defensive player. And, and again, when we surround him like someone like Isaiah Wilkins, who I think is sort of the, the opposite of him in terms of uh, Wilkins knows 
the system in and out and he does everything right sort of within the system, but obviously isn't a huge shot blocker just sort of because of physical uh, limitations. I think the comp he complements uh, Austin nicely to sort of take care of more of the system aspect of it where Nichols can hopefully clean some stuff up inside. Yeah, I want to see them. I want to see those two run the high low on offense together. Yeah. I love the idea of Austin ceiling sliding toward the basket and Isaiah hitting him with a pass from the elbow. Yeah, this is a good time to talk about Wilkins because he, he's been one of my favorite guys for a while because he does everything. And so you, you've seen him called the, the glue guy and, and all that. Is this going to be the year that he really distinguishes himself in, in an individual part? Because he's been great at everything and so probably hasn't gotten the credit he deserves. But is he going to become that, that next great scorer, that next great uh, defender for us? I'll no, I don't I, I'm not sure that he'll he'll be the uh, an, an you know absolutely elite like smothering defender, but uh, a complete guy that um, knows how to play his position, that knows how to move within the defense, and is a smart defender and a um, capable rebounder and a a underappreciated scorer. I think all of those things apply. Um, I've heard that that you know that when we talk about coaches' confidence, and then Charlie, I'll pass it on to you. But I, I've heard in the um, you know, preseason coverage and a lot of the stuff that I've been hearing whispers about that he might have the, the coaches trust uh, more than anybody out there. Yeah, I've heard that too. And what I was, I was actually just going to echo you and that I don't think Isaiah is going to ever probably be the next great scorer at Virginia. There are too many other guys that can do that. And he may not be a great individual lockdown defender, but there is always going to be room, especially as we continue to recruit and play stars for guys that make every facet of the game easier for everybody else. And Isaiah just makes things work like as a help defender, as a passer, as a screener, he's a, he's good at coming from the weak side to block shots. He can, I mean, he spaced the floor a little bit for Malcolm last year as a 15 to 18 foot jump shooter, that forbidden mid range jumper. He's just a guy that when he's out there, like, to coin a Tonyism, he's sound and he makes the game easier for the other four guys on the court. And there's always room for that guy. So he's never going to get the credit he deserves. Well, we're giving it to him right now on the hard hedge available at thehardhedge.podbean.com. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. All right. So uh, I think we should segue for a little bit into talking about the league in general before we. Uh, really touch on the players again and give our preseason accolades and our expectations for the year. Let's kind of powwow on the league as a whole, maybe try to figure out where Virginia fits. And I'm just going to run through from the bottom to the top. And um, if I uh, speak to the team that, that you were assigned, just give us a quick little blurb on it, um, where these guys are, how you think they fit in the league. And then we'll just kind of run through here uh, real quick and try to assess where, where Virginia fits in. So, um, let's start, uh, let's start with, well, we'll just ax Georgia Tech and Boston College at the bottom and we'll start with Wake Forest. Yeah, we relegated those there, right? Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I took Wake. Um, obviously I, I have a degree from Wake Forest, so I, I follow them pretty closely and like to pay attention to them. Um, Beautiful campus. Yeah. Really nice place. Um, uh, yeah. So I actually think that people... I mean, it's hard to say people are sleeping on any team in the ACC this year because, um, I mean, just basically with the exception of those those two who just relegated, uh, these teams all have some nice pieces and things you can say sort of nicely about them. 
Um, it's just when you compare them to the rest of the league, I think that's why a team like Wake Forest is this far down. But even even saying that, I I kind of think people don't realize that not only what they have back, but also what they have coming in. Um, I think everyone when they when they talk about Wake Forest, they're going to talk about Brian Crawford. Uh, he's obviously probably one of the better returning guards in the league, and probably one of the better scoring guards in the league. Um, and I expect that to continue this season. But even just if you look at every position, um, you look at a guy like Mitiglu, who's who's been there, what seems like forever, but he's only a junior. Um, and then you have interesting pieces like Darrell Moore and John Collins. Uh, Darrell Moore, I think, will really sort of expand his game. He was a big-time recruit out of high school, a long body, uh, someone very athletic on the inside. But I think the key to them is they have an incoming transfer. Uh, his name is Keyshawn Woods. He's from Charlotte, played one season at Charlotte. Uh, average, I think, something like eight points a game there. Um, he's someone that could really have a breakout year. Uh, Shot like 47% from three, um, like 48% from the floor and, and overall. Um, but he's someone that as a freshman for a team like Charlotte is not not a big program, but they're, they're playing some real quality competition. Um, coming to a program where he set out last year, got to sort of take things in in his redshirt year. Um, and now being thrown into the ACC on a team with, with some good pieces, I think he's going to have a really good season alongside uh, Brian Crawford. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I'm not placing them anywhere in the standings or anything like that, or I don't think they'll be in, uh, an NCAA team, but, uh, I think maybe like when all said and done, if they stay healthy and, and really those pieces gel together, I could see them making an NIT run, you know, be, I think would be, that, would be good for Manning in the program. You know, of, of the bottom third of teams, that's the team that I can see making a surprise run on us because I, I think Danny Manning like really got things moving in the right direction last year. They could very well finish what 13th but they they could also be middle of the pack in the acc and that wouldn't surprise me at all always a tough place to play if they're um you know if they're improved at all that the, the energize the fan base a little bit uh you know that they, they could definitely surprise some people charlie uh talk about pit um pit actually is kind of an interesting situation this year um they're i mean they're starting four seniors this year so experience is a plus um, Michael Young is maybe a little bit undersized, a little bit of a tweener, but he's an all for the next level, but he's an all ACC type and is a bear to defend down low. They have a, I mean, James Robinson has seemingly, seemingly played point guard there since I graduated from college in 2005, but he has finally left and there's a hole at that spot that they've considered using Jamel Artis in, which is kind of interesting because he's always been kind of a high turnover guy, but they like the potential of him creating offense against smaller guys and looking for his, and then looking for other guys. Um, their players so far are claiming they have, they had a coaching switch this off season. They moved on from Jamie Dixon and brought Kevin Stallings in from Vandy. And they're claiming to have more offensive freedom and having more fun, which is kind of funny because, I mean, Stallings once told star guard Wade Baldwin that he was going to fucking kill him. Um, and that was after a game. Um, <laughs> Our first hard head, Jeff Baum. Thank you, Charlie. While we're, while we're talking about possible Stallings-related drama at Pitt, Sheldon Jeter, who is I mean, probably one of their top three guys, played for Stallings at Vandy as a freshman tried to transfer to Pitt and Stallings blocked it before Vandy's administration stepped in and allowed the move. And then this summer when Stallings was hired, Jeter just tweeted a, a meme of the Joker. And I mean, something about not being about 
letting the games begin or whatever. So there's some interesting chemistry issues at Pitt, but they've got a lot of experience coming back. And I still, I don't know exactly how their new pieces fit in. I don't know how they replace the steady hand of Robinson, and I don't see them finishing in the top half of the ACC. Well, I think Jamie Dixon is a dick, so I wasn't sad to see him go. All right, let's talk about Clemson. Um, yeah, I mean, the the fighting Jerome Blossom games, as I like to call them. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like... Yeah, I don't see that catching on. Yeah. <laughs> I look at a team like Wake Forest a minute ago um, versus a team like Clemson. I, I just... Obviously, Cle- Clemson has Jerome Blossom game. who's one of my favorite players in the country. I think he's he should be... I, I didn't really see all the all American teams, but I don't think he made any of the the first team all American uh, preseason polls or teams or whatever. But I think he's he really belongs in that conversation. He's that good of a player. He's someone that um, with our defense we've had as mu- we had as much trouble with him last year as really any player I've seen us have uh, that type of trouble with, even with Brogdon guarding him for a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I will. <laughs> I will mention some sort of some other players here. I mean, they they I almost don't want to because obviously they have some. They're almost like the same Clemson team that you always have sort of come to expect with with some small guards, um, some large uh, post players as well. Um, so I mean, honestly, it really does just come down to blossom game. Um, I, I really, I mean. They have some some nice transfer pieces as well. Another guy like Scott Spencer is actually from Blue Ridge. Um, I'm not sure how much he'll factor into the rotation, but he was a a nice piece on um, in, on offense, especially which I think they could use some some help as they always can under Brown uh, under Brownell has been more of a defensive minded coach. But I mean, there's definitely the makeup of some solid contributors to surround um, uh, Blossom Game with. Um, but again, I, I just don't know if there's really enough to to really get anywhere in terms of postseason play, and uh, especially when you compare it against the competition they're going to have to face. Um, I could see them. I, you've seen them sort of uh, sneak up on some people's preseason polls, but I could see it being sort of a little too much to ask for Blossom game, um, unless a guy like Grantham or, or one of the young guys step up. Um, I'm really not seeing much from Clemson this year. And, and Daniel, um, I, I got to... Yeah, you, you can't play the respect card with Blossom Game. He got the second most votes for first team uh, all ACC this year. So um, yeah, I, I wasn't even saying it was sort of a lack of respect. Uh, I mean, definitely, I think the people in the ACC really respect him. I think nationally, I think everyone throws his name out there. Uh, I'm willing to bet that there are some sort of national media guys that really haven't watched a lot of Clemson games other than the Clemson Duke, or whatever. And I don't really blame him for that, but I think yeah. people don't realize like he is a real like. I don't know what happened really in terms of his, his draft situation, but I think he's going to have a very successful NBA career because he's so versatile and he can play. If they want him to play the three. I think he could definitely do that. Um, but I think he is really he's one of the better players, honestly, I've seen in a couple of years. Um, he's just been so good, so hard to beat, and so just versatile and consistent. Yeah, it's weird with him because I know you, you touched, like, I'm just not used to watching our defense. I'm not used to feeling helpless, and he definitely had me that way last year at some point. Special guy. Agreed. A legit NBA talent. Let, let's move on to the uh, Virginia Tech Hokies. Okay, well, here's what's interesting, because I tweeted a, a list of my picks for um, the preseason All-ACC and first team, and it was all just so I could make a Marcus Page joke, but I, I actually took some time to do the rankings, and I had Tech 
the, the biggest difference between what I voted and what the press voted was I had tech higher than the press. They had him at 10. I had him at six, I believe, because I, I think this is a team that can really uh, surprise some people. I mean, they, they've got a lot of experience. The folks, they, they lost Jalen Hudson to transfer in the off season. But if you look at his like efficiency ratings and, and stuff, um, I'm not sure that they're going to be hurt that much because they have Zach delay. Who got, I think got some preseason all ACC votes, uh, Seth Allen, who a lot of people, a lot of us have, have been, you know, high on for a long time. He used 30% of their possessions last year. He likes to, he, he likes to shoot the ball, but they, that's a team that has a lot of experience and, uh, you know, Buzz Williams, I, th- I think most of us agree that he's one of the best X's and O's coach in the league. You know, I, I think they're going to surprise some folks and finish higher than, than 10, certainly. Miami. Miami kind of reminds me of us a little bit. Um, obviously not on the same level, but you think, I mean, they've lost some very important guys who people consider the face of the program. You think of Miami in recent years, it's Sheldon McClellan, Angel Rodriguez, Tanya Jakiri. If you're a Virginia fan, it's Ivan Cruz Uceda. And those guys are all gone. And Jim Laranega has done what he always does. Like he's pulled in a solid recruiting class, in this case, a five-star center and Duan Ewell, and a, I think either a four or five-star guard and Bruce Brown to step in and fill those roles alongside a couple of guys, Devon Reed and Shaquan Newton, who were explosive supporting cast types. And then he went out and got a transfer. Rashad Muhammad, the brother of uh, former UCLA and current Minnesota Timberwolf Shabazz Muhammad. And Muhammad led San Jose State in scoring his first two years, 13 points a game, hit more than 38% of his threes before coming in. And he's eligible to see the floor too. So in relatively short amount of time, he's going to be able probably, I mean, I have faith, I think Larry is a great coach. I think he's going to be able to put together something that'll gel faster than people think it will. I'm not sure. Like, it's an NCAA team, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're solidly on the bubble or in by the end of the season. I think they're going to be, they're going to have, they're going to be uneven, especially because they're not especially deep. But I think, especially at home, I think they're going to be a tough out. And I'm really kind of interested to see what Hewell does in the league. Agreed. Florida State? Uh, Mike, we gave Florida State to you. Oh, we did? <laughs> Anybody else want to talk about Florida State? <laughs> well, I don't know anything about Florida State yet, but they're going to be, I bet they have a few seven-footers. They're probably going to play fast and turn it over a lot. They're probably going to be pretty athletic and Leonard Hamilton will probably try to have them be a good defensive team. I mean, Jonathan Isaac's a really, really nice player. Um, he's 100% going to be a one-and-done type guy, uh, sort of someone that really fits in nicely at, at Florida State in terms of being like a 6'8", 6'9", type guy with like 7'1 wingspan, but really plays like a guard. I feel like they've sort of rotated guys like that in and out the past couple of years. Um, I think... Really, the the question with them is just sort of finding any sort of consistency. Uh, they have the talent. They've always had the talent. Um, really, the good Leonard Hamilton teams were these these veteran teams that could lock you down, play physical, and defend. Um, lately, the, the defense has been more inconsistent, and uh, they've had a lot of these younger, really supremely talented offensive players, but um, just really just couldn't really put together a stretch of games uh, in order to really get what they're looking for out of a season. But obviously, 
they'll be tough in terms of if you're thinking of one game at a time, having to go there on the road or um, play them in the CC tournament game, they're, they're going to be dangerous. But in terms of, of making noise in, in the tournament and beyond whatnot, uh, I think there's probably a little bit too much to ask of a team that just has a lot of pieces going every which, every which way. Yeah, consistent ancillary scoring. You know that that's what I think has always been their problem. They they usually have a, a star or two that can that can that can score. You know Xavier recently, um, and and then it's kind of like who if he has an off night a little bit or who else can he rely on to kind of take the burden off of him a little bit? Uh, they're always uber athletic. They've been uh, they should be a little bit better defensively the last couple of years than than they have been, and it kind of scratches your head with all their athleticism on on why they aren't, but. Um, you know, I think eight is is maybe a little high for them. I, I think some of the teams that we've covered already are a little bit more complete than they are, and I would put ahead of them, including Miami and Virginia Tech for sure. And yeah. uh, but um, you know, it's we'll, we'll see. Leonard Hamilton gets the benefit of the doubt a lot, and um, you know, he's gonna. I think he's gonna have to have a better season this year. Uh, let's just, move on. To Notre well, right. they, just need, they need better guard. It's always been the last two, three years, it's been too high of a turnover rate and not enough shooting to just hang with the modern game. They need to be they able get to... All the, they get all these like oversized guards that aren't really yeah. guards, but they put them at guard. <laughs> yep. All right, uh, let's touch on uh, on Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah, I, well, what was interesting is I think I had Notre Dame spot, Virginia Tech spot, reversed in my poll versus the media because I think Notre Dame uh could maybe disappoint some people. I mean they they and and Kinpom kind of agrees with me on this. Kinpom has them starting at 50th in, in the season. Um but they they lost Demetrius Jackson who I think a lot of us really liked. They lost Zach August and and those were their their two biggest guys in terms of usage and I just don't see the talent behind them. Their their biggest minute returner and I don't know if anyone could have named this their biggest minute returner is Bonzi Colson. He's got a 122-0 rating, which is really good, but you know he just didn't play a lot. So, I, I think they're gonna. I think they make the tournament. I think they're gonna be one of the last teams in the field because Mike Bray is really good at maximizing what's he what he gets out of the players that he has. I'm a big believer in in Mike Bray, and and they could be a scary team, like a team you don't want to play in, in the tournament. But I think they're gonna uh, you know have a rough time in the ACC. I would say I go back and forth on them. Um, I think. It's hard to bet against Bray, and, and a lot of times you always, I feel like we always ask them, oh, they've got some talent, but, but do they have the depth? Well, they've done it enough years without depth now that uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards uh, maybe just giving them the benefit of the doubt. If you look at their starting five, they're going to have a good they're going to have a good number of options. I mean, you've got guys like that story of Colson, VJ Beecham, who's uh, supposed to be sort of a breakout player this year. And then you have someone like Fluger and then TJ Gibbs as a rookie. Um, and who else? Matt Ryan. There's there's plenty of options there, and I think that's enough of a rotation right there. Um, then I think we when you got Bray coaching him, you have enough of a mix of uh, re- returning sort of proven veterans, even without a guy like Demetrius Jackson. I think I think they have a high floor. Uh, I think I don't think people are underrating them or anything, um, but I don't think they're gonna. I've definitely seen some people thinking that they're gonna drop off, sort of drop off the map. I I, don't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect that. I think, like you said, I think they're a tournament team. Um, regardless, uh, they've just got too many options. Yep, I, th- I like Bonzi Colson. I think he's a he's a crafty guy. I, I like watching him play, um, and I think that I, I think again you're going to see a team that can that can do some things uh, offensively to frustrate you, and it'll all be about can they can they get some 
key stops when they need to because I, I don't see them being a very good uh, defensive team again. Let's talk about uh, the Wolfpack. Yeah, I think they're um, maybe along with Syracuse. I think those two teams might be the most polarizing of uh, sort of the preseason predictions and both nationally and, and uh, as well within the ACC. Um, I like NC State's team, but they're they're a very uh, they're a very NC State ish team this year in terms of bringing in a lot of raw talent, um, a lot of raw young talent, uh, and and really just assuming that that's going to sort of get the job done for them. I, I think I've never been a really big fan of Gottfried, and I think uh, I would imagine the rest of you guys feel the same way. In terms you and of, me both, brother. Yeah, I mean, I think he he's a recruiter. Um, he gets some things done coaching-wise in terms of motivating his players, whatever, but just there doesn't seem to be, uh, in some of the ways, he's sort of like an antithesis of Tony Bennett in terms of uh, like program stability and everything like that. I, I feel like whenever you watch State, um, things go wrong, and some of it's just sort of the, the fan base, the like NC State shit, whatever. Um, everything just feels like it's on the verge of just like crumbling, and not just the game, but like the entire program, even if it's if it's just a, a game, random game in November, but. Um, I don't know. I, I just think it's hard to trust someone like him. I, I don't think they're going to be a bad team. I think they're going to They have enough options that they could do what they did a few years ago and have a disappointing regular season and make a run late. Something like that, it's certainly doable. But um, in terms of, of people thinking they should legitimately be a top 10, 15 team in the country, I think there's, I just cannot see them being that consistent. Um, I think they're going to have their head scratching losses like they always do. They're going to have a win against like Duke or Carolina like they always do. They're going to finish something like, uh, I mean, I guess six or seventh is, is fifth, six, seventh is probably right, um, even in this league. Um, but uh, in terms of really making an impact in the, in, in the league and as well as across the country, it's, I think that uh, they've got the wrong guy leading this team that does have plenty of talent. Um, just to touch on the individual guys, Dennis Smith is a very good player. He's going to be a first-team All-ACC guy. I'm a big fan of him. I think your seven is going to take some time to really, well, obviously it's going to take some time for him to, to play because he's suspended the first nine games. But uh, I think it'll take some time for him to really get used to the, the ins and outs of, of ACC play and ACC big men. I know people will say he's played against played against NBA players. He's played against guys in Europe. But I, th- I think just night in, night out, uh, I think it's a different ball game playing on those, those club teams that are overseas and all the also teams to play on. Um, Terry Anderson's coming back, uh, a lot of nice options, but then there's, there's guys like Abu and, and uh, BJ Anya, who I I think it, people look at them and say, oh, they've, they've got plenty of talent and um, are really nice pieces, but I think it's almost like they've reached the point where they probably should be better than they are right now, and I don't think things are going to change for them this year. I think they'll just be sort of what they have been. And, I don't see a lot of improvement there. Um, so I think that there's a lot of, of, of good pieces, but um, again, like uh, we've talked about it a lot, but consistency is definitely the question. Yeah, I'll take it a step. I, I just don't watch. I, I never watch NC State basketball and see anything that I think was a, a wise coaching decision and or a execution that relays back to quality coaching, or I click the channel thinking, that's a poorly coached team, and that that's the way I think every time I watch him play, no matter what talent he brings in there. And um, 
you know, you're going to, if your talent is good enough, you're going to win some games and that you're going to surprise folks and you're going to show up and be hot on certain nights. But do I think that there are any real threat to the top echelon of the league? I just do not believe it yet. And yeah, I, th- I think he underperforms versus the talent he has uh, more than any other team in the league. I mean, you know, BC sucks, but they don't, they, they certainly don't have the talent that an NC state does. Yeah. Uh, something I did want to mention though, um, Joe, Giglio, Giglio from uh, uh, Raw newspaper down there, uh, uh, sort of tweeted at, at him a couple days ago. But he, I think he, I'm not sure if he did it in his poll or not, but I'm pretty sure he did. I think he picked State over Virginia in the ACC. Um, and his reasoning was just the same old that we, we've always heard that State's got more talent than Virginia and blah, blah, blah. And I saw him tweeting today what? about, uh, yeah, that's another thing that's just—I uh, just think it's complete BS. When we're bringing in just as many top fifty players as we ever had in our program, like history, essentially. Um, yeah, that's another thing. Just, uh, what people think of talent, I, I will never understand that. Because he was tweeting today, someone uh, someone posted a link saying that uh, it's crazy to think that four years ago NC State was preseason number six in the country. And someone was saying, oh, it's, this could be a similar team. He's like, no, it's completely different. This this year's team has two, uh, two future NBA players and a lot of nice pieces around it. Well, what the heck do you think he was saying about that 2012 team with C.J. Leslie, Lorenzo Brown, and, th- Lorenzo Brown and three McDonald's All-Americans coming in? He's probably saying the same damn thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's so revisionist. Like, uh, like, yeah, of course it didn't work out. They didn't, like, those guys didn't make it in the NBA. Uh, they didn't perform as a team as they expected to, uh, or at least the, the expectations for state. Um, so what, like, why is it going to happen now? It, it very well could, but it, it's kind of funny to see him making that same argument, given what's, it's just like complete blinders on. Yeah. He's, he's been a little bit of a Virginia hater as of recent history as well. Uh, got into a few little Twitter spats. So, you know, well, I mean, he was, he was the one that picked, uh, Oh, for UVA Ofer in uh, ACC playing football. Yeah, he's got he's got issues with us. It it is what it is. Um, let's move on to Syracuse, and and I'll talk about them briefly. Um, you know, look, they they return Tyler Lydon and Tyler Roberson, uh, which you know, two quality players. Lydon obviously has all ACC type potential. Uh, a guy that is going to get a lot stronger, and um, you know, be a a a, a force to be reckoned reckon with in the league. I think that the team in general is going to rely on three transfers. Um, Andrew White from Nebraska, John Gillen from Colorado State, and then Chukwu from or Chukwu from Pro, uh, Providence. Uh, three guys that are eligible that, to me, the whole season kind of um, rests on their shoulders, exactly what they're going to bring to the table. I can tell you that Jimmy Beheim, uh is is really pumped about this team. According, I read an interview uh, yesterday where, um, you know, he, he's throwing some words in there, like, like he thinks that this team is, is really going to surprise um, you know, they've got Devon, Devon Coleman and Frank Howard also back. Uh, they, you know, I'm questioning them at point guard. I don't think they'll be a very good shooting team. Again, I do think they'll be strong defensively. And, um, you know, they've got uh, athleticism and, and an ability to kind of, uh, you know, wear you down. And I think that, that these guys that he brought in are going are gonna to kind of fit in. There's some really talented freshmen coming in as well. Syracuse, I think, is dangerous. Uh, to me, I, I'm going to wait and see how these new pieces fit in. He's probably got five or six guys that are new to Syracuse that are going to play very heavily in the rotation. So, um, you know, a, a question mark to me, but a lot of talent there. 
Uh, Louisville is uh, was picked to finish fourth. You know, there to me uh, again, you're going to get a team that is uh, extremely gifted defensively. Might be the best defensive team in the league outside of Virginia. Uh, they're going to be very hard to score against. They've got a ton of length and athleticism, um, and you know, they they lost Damian Lewis and, and uh, Damian Lee and Trey Lewis, who were their scoring you know, everything. They were, they were their dynamic duo. They were one year players, but came in and, um, really provided the scoring punch for them. They brought in VJ, who I absolutely loved out of high school. Um, if you didn't see any tape on him, he, he is an absolute stud. He could kind of step in and take some of the scoring pressure, um, that those guys left behind, but Donovan Mitchell really uh, emerged late in the year as a real threat on the, on the, on the wing. Uh, Adele is back. They've got, uh, ton of front court depth jalen johnson that guy spalding uh mahmoud has apparently put on a bunch of weight and is turning heads in practice and then old uh matthew is 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 still there as well um they're gonna be a very tough team to beat it's gonna be i i think it's gonna be just classic louisville it's gonna be a well-coached team that that knows themselves um and is is very hard to beat at home and and will will test you physically and mentally uh, when they come to your building. So I, I do think that they're in that top four. I would absolutely put them up there. Um, and I think they're going to be a really tough, a really tough out. I don't know if anybody else wants to comment on Louisville or Syracuse before we move on. I think that's a good point on Syracuse. Uh, the fact that they have so many new pieces that will play large chunks of minutes. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I think that's going to be what, what it comes down to for them. I think they will be a solid team. They, they've, um, they've got a good makeup of a sort of a traditional Syracuse team with, with a lot of length that help will help out defensively. Obviously point guard and shooting will be an issue, but they've, they've sort of gotten over that a lot um, in recent years. And um, I think they'll probably be a good team and might, might sort of take some lumps early on, but, um, but yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll be solid. It's just about seeing how those pieces come together. Absolutely. So we'll skip on Virginia and uh, talk about the Tar Heels. Oh man, well Bryce Johnson. I think you know I, I like Bryce Johnson. You know, other than I mean, it seemed teams could kind of get in his head, but right, they lost Johnson and Marcus Page. Besides that, which I mean, those are two big losses, but they they've got just a, a lot of experience returning. Joel Berry, who uh, I think he was one of the guys that that has really hurt us in past seasons. Uh, One twenty two offensive rating, but only nineteen percent usage. So he's a guy who who has the opportunity for his role to really step up for the team. And even though they lost Johnson, the guy Kennedy makes and Isaiah Hicks coming back. Uh, and then this kid, Tony Bradley, I don't know much about him, but a lot of folks think that he'll be competing for time as well. So seventh Woods, a really athletic guy, not not too tall, but just apparently freakish athleticism. I think they're going to be a fun team to watch this year, and they've got enough experience to be as dangerous as anyone. Uh, so I'm excited to to get to play him twice this year. Should be a lot of fun, and let's talk about those Blue Devils. And it's been eight years since the ACC started a season without a Plumley in it, so this is going to be interesting to see how they adjust to that. <laughs> um, I mean, they lose Brandon Ingram, the number two pick in the draft, and you know Ingram was great. Obviously, we saw it when we played them in Durham, but I mean, they bring back a Grayson Allen. They're getting back a healthy Emil Jefferson, and then I mean, the freshman class. Some people compare it. Some people say it's the most talented class Mike Krzyzewski's ever brought in, which, I mean, honestly is saying something. Um, Frank Jackson's going to take over at the point, Jason Tatum on the wing, and then you've got 
Harry Giles and Marcus Bolden down low. The only, I mean, the questions they have are, I mean, it really, it's minor. It's minor on paper. Like, how are, are there going to be, where are the like eighth and ninth and some of those bench guys going to end up transferring to when Krzyzewski plays six or seven guys for the entire season as he is wont to do. And then, I mean, you wonder, can Jackson play well? Like, is he going to take the point guard immediately? Giles' health has been a concern. He's had three knee surgeries in recent years. But really, I mean, they just have abundant talent at each spot. They have a lot of experience. It, like, if it doesn't work, it's going to be like a personality thing almost as, instead of a talent thing. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, that's uh, one through thirteen minus Virginia on on where we stand with the rest of the with the rest of the league. I think uh, the consensus among the pundits is it is without a doubt the best conference in basketball. Again, uh, it's going to be the type of league that you know the bottom half of the league are, are still going to be tough outs on the road, uh, and you know we're going to have our, our our work cut out of out for us. That um, ridiculous ACC record that we've compiled the last three years. You know, it's it's going to be tested. We've got a a younger team this year, um, and you know, uh, playing elevated competition on the road in, in that um, scenario is going to be difficult. So, with that being said, let's let's pivot back to Virginia here, and and let's kind of run through, um, let's run through all of our our preseason uh, award winners on on who we're going to assign um, for 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 each. And I think it's going to be a little bit more interesting this year as last year. You know, there seemed to be a lot that were kind of uh, no-brainers. Um, you know, this year, this year there might be a little bit more mystery to it. So let's just start at the top. Um, who is Virginia's most valuable player uh, this season? And we're gonna just do. Let's just run around everybody. We'll go, uh, phony Daniel Charlie. Should we all just say this one at the same time? <laughs> no, I mean it's gotta be London. I mean this is his year, and and every year. The trajectory of his career, Virginia, has pointed to to what I think uh, will will be great things, and I I can't wait to see what the kid does. Yeah, I mean it's London. Uh, I would be completely shocked if it wasn't. Um, I really, honestly, can't see a scenario where uh, it, it it isn't uh, it isn't him leading us. I mean, it's, that's really it's kind of crazy to think about just how successful he's been in his career here, and and. And that's that's one of the main reasons I think that you see us getting the respect that we're getting in the preseason, uh, given what we've lost. Is uh, I think people just see London Parentes and and see a team that's going to win uh, behind him. So I mean, it's going to he's going to be leading the ship as he always has been. Jack, going to be London. Balls in his hands, on and off the court. Um, it's going to be important for him, I think, to really set these kids up the young guys coming in with good habits, the stuff like help enforce Tony's Tony's system and the culture of this program that he's had such a great, a great role in defining, but it's his team now. This is his show. He's the MVP. That's one, one of the things I just sort of realized here is, is like, he's kind of, he and I guess Devin were really the only two that have had a taste of Virginia not being what it is now. That that basically that non-conference play their freshman years. Uh, I mean, obviously Devin was redshirting, but London was playing. Um, since then, it's it's been. I mean, Virginia's basically been the top team since. Um, 
So, I mean, uh, maybe it's sort of instilling that and just because really, honestly, they're the only people with that perspective. It's like, hey, like we lost a game against Wisconsin at home when we scored 30 something points, uh, lost at Green Bay and, and Virginia was really nothing. Don't take it for granted and, and really just uh, hopefully can relay a message to those those young guys um, and sort of how to find your role, especially early on, but also what it means to, to be a basketball player at Virginia. Uh, you know, I couldn't agree more. The London is going to go down as one of my favorite players in program history. He gets my vote for MVP as well. I, I, I love that the kid has, um, you know, gone from a guy that, that you just liked as a point guard and a guy that was the quarterback of your offense and played with an unbelievable um, poise about him from the day that he walked on grounds to actually becoming a guy that hits huge shots. And you can say what, you know, I his points per game averages, you know, you can, you know, it, nothing crazy so far in his career. But when he did score, it seemed to always be in big moments. He never feared the big shot. Um, and he's a guy that just embodies, uh, I think, what this team represents. And I'm, I'm, you know, honestly just honored to, to have him in our jersey and um, really excited about uh, his senior year. It's his team. Um, and and he is he is most certainly the MVP. Let's move on to breakthrough player, and this means uh, you know essentially you can go anywhere that you want with this. The player that is going to emerge as more of a factor than what you know the general population believes. Start with you, Phony. Player that's going to be more of a factor than what the Virginia general population. Okay, I'm going to go with um, and and yeah, I could be could be way wrong here. I'm going to go with DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, you know, I'm going to stick with the things we we heard that that he's he's a player that is going to see more minutes and and as long as the the game moves doesn't move too fast for him, which I don't I don't think it will. He's got the a very well-rounded game coming in and and I think he might get some trust early on. Daniel? Yeah, so I'm it's kind of crazy. This was actually an easy one for me. Um especially it's I mean it's crazy to say that cuz you could pick like 10 people. Uh, I, I really see it being Isaiah Wilkins. Um, I mean, it's kind of it's hard to say he's breakout player because he's already a starter and everything. But I think uh, I really think he's going to take it to the next level, and not even just in Virginia fan terms of being like a great teammate and, and uh, doing what we what we've seen him do already. But I think he's actually going to score more points, be very active on defense, and and really be. Um, I can honestly see him even with this ACC um, breaking out and being like a almost having like an Akil Mitchell uh, yeah. junior year season and, and making like a third team all ACC first team defense something like that. Um, I think I forget which coach it was. I think it might have been McKay who said um, early in his career that they the staff sees him as an all ACC player. Um, and whenever you hear something like that, is I mean they they don't throw that around. Ever. They don't throw compliments around ever, even the recruits. Um, it's one of the things that makes the staff unique. Uh, I think I really took that to heart. I was a big fan of his in high school, and I've liked uh, how he's how he's developed, and especially what he did last year, um, just in terms of really embracing his specific role. Yeah, he just does but, everything um, out there. Yeah, and the thing, the big thing with him is that like it's not. I don't think he really has to develop a ton offensively. I think the game's there. It's just. I mean, he. I think he said it, and it might have been the post game of uh, the scrimmage or whatnot. He said that he really is 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 really taking it to heart and about 
knowing that that he's got to step up and, and if he can be a scorer, if he can be a 12 point a game guy, we're a downright scary team to play. Yeah. Um, just what that does in terms of the offense, in terms of just bringing the backcourt and front court together and him stepping out. I've heard, I mean, I don't know if he needs to step out the three point range. I think he could, but I think if he can just be automatic from the mid range, um, and even uh, some of you saw him a little bit in the scrimmage, put the ball on the floor a little bit um, and get to the rim. Uh, some, some, basically some uh, concerted moves to really be effective and, and get straight to the rim and um, lose some of the physicality, physicality he's, he's developed. Um, I think he can just be a very versatile player that um, could be really, I, I see him as someone that, that uh, in terms of, individuals that help determine our success for the entire season. I think he's uh, one guy that could really make a break this season. Good stuff, Charlie. I'm coming back to Devin. Um, we talked earlier about his defense, but I think the place he really is going to break through this season is going to be on the offensive side. Um, I've always liked how he's kind of, he's, he has an analytical mind on the basketball court. He heads for the corners to take his threes. He tries to go, if he's not taking a three, he tries to go to the rim. He makes the extra pass. And I think while his efficiency numbers definitely lagged in the last couple of seasons because he struggled to finish, again, that third year is where guys like, I mean, we just saw London's shooting numbers rocket up. We've seen it with Joe Harris. We've seen it with Justin Anderson. Akil's offense improved dramatically between sophomore and junior year, which, I mean, again, bigs and guards, different thing. But still, junior year is kind of when, third year is kind of when guys have their coming out party and really, like, become who they are as players. And I think Hall's game, like, it'll just, it'll complement London's well. And I could see him probably sitting between 35 and 40% with that lefty jumper and threatening double figures while serving as an auxiliary point guard. I think he's, on the offensive side, he's going to stop being quite as tentative, and he's, like, that assertiveness will help us out a lot alongside Perantes. Great stuff, man. That's that's why we pay you the big bucks. Um, I, I, I agree, but I'm going to go with a different player. I'm going to go Jared Reuter. Uh, I'm a cheater. I think he's going to, I think he's going to really surprise people i just we're hearing some rumblings that he's he's really emerging um you know in practice uh i think he he played well in the in the scrimmage um and you know i think he's just one of those guys that's easy to forget so i think that's what makes him a really big candidate for breakthrough player of the year i think he's a crafty big guy that is committed to rebounding and i think that's one of the concerns going into this year so i think that that means that he could uh, you know, he could definitely be a breakout player. L- let's move on to newcomer of the year. And I'm going to I'm going to throw a caveat in on you last minute here. We're, we're going to eliminate Austin Nichols from this position because obviously you're getting a guy that was a first team league player in his last uh, season of eligibility. So I'm going to say newcomer of the year, uh, first year of eligibility, who is the best and we're going to eliminate Austin as a candidate. Well, if I get to go first, I mean, I'm, I'm taking Kyle guy, right? I mean, he's, he, he's got, I, I think the biggest chance to, to make a direct impact. And that's just by, by raining shots down. Um, you know, he's shown that he's pretty crafty around the rim and he's also of course got a great three point shot. So 
and we're going to need offense this year. We we lost a lot of our points through graduation, so I I think he's a guy that is going to make it make a big, very visible impact in the box score. Daniel, yeah, I mean, I think I I, I was tempted to take Kyle as well, um, but I think I'll just go. I, I was torn between him and, and Mamadi Dikite. Uh, I, I think he could. There could be some ups and downs uh, with a player like him really stepping in for the first time into real game action. Um, but I think the, really the potential is there on both ends of the floor. I think there's there's sort of a, not misconception, but I think people really view him and, and think he's he's raw, um, which I think when, when we use that term raw, I think we think of someone that really needs to develop, especially their offensive skills. Um, but I wouldn't call him raw. I think he actually has a really nice offensive skill set. He's got a nice jumper. He has some nice post moves. Knows how to finish. Uh, I think really the term the I think it's more of like his feel that needs to come along. Um, if you watch him play a little bit, it seems like um, he just isn't as fluid as you, as you might expect for someone that's been playing the game all their uh, compared to someone that's been playing the game all their life. Um, but I think he's like like I mentioned with Huff earlier the light has been coming on for him the past year, a uh, couple of years, like towards the end of his high school career. He was someone that, that we had heard so all these rumblings about of, of uh, what a freak of nature he is. He's playing, uh, holding his own against these five-star talents and whatever. And when I first saw some, some game tape, I was a little disappointed. But then again, like Huff, once I saw more, I saw the development in his game. And uh, once he combined that with this, uh, the freak of nature athleticism that, that he has, as he continues to grow, um, physically and get a little stronger um he's just someone that could really make an impact on legitimately on both ends of the court um i, I like what he can do in terms of hedging and really affecting and causing turnovers uh for against opposing teams bigs because he can he's really he's really definitely um he can almost be an intimidating presence in terms of his length and, and quickness is really bearing down on you um so i think in terms of impact on both ends of the floor uh, he could be a top contender for that. Excellent, Charlie. I'm also going with Diakite. Um, uh, this guy's a unicorn. I mean, he's been this kind of athleticism, this kind of multiple jumps, the way he can go up, challenge a shot, be ready to challenge it again. Like that kind of springiness is just going to help us so much on defense. It's going to help us hedging. It's going to help us in post doubles. It's going to help us on the, I mean, if he hits the offensive glass. I mean, and yeah, we've seen him. And one thing that's jumped out in film from practices and in film from Europe is just the energy and electricity that follows this guy around on the court. <laughs> I think, I mean, his offensive game, I think, has developed. I think his understanding of the defense and the schemes is obviously, I think it's definitely come along over the past year here. I think probably working with Austin Nichols on the scout team has helped him a lot technique-wise. And while there are definitely going to be some moments he's, he still needs to fill out, he's, I mean, Daniel said his feel for the game is still coming along a little bit. There are going to be moments where that are maybe a little frustrating. I think he's going to be very exciting. Maybe more exciting, like, I almost feel like people are sleeping on him a little bit because he's been around for a year, and people have been hearing his name so much longer than that. I think it's going to be a really pleasant surprise to see him actually on the court making a difference if the NCAA ever lets that happen. Yep, and uh, those were the two names, guys, uh, that uh, I spoke to someone, that uh, a friend that, that had some inside information on the VCU 
Virginia scrimmage, and two names were mentioned, and it was the, the two that we've discussed. Not any of the returning players, not any of the vets. It was Kyle Guy and Mamadi Diakite. So um, I'm going to put my vote for Guy uh, just based on what I've heard recently and, and what I've seen. I think that his just raw scoring ability is is probably going to the you know be the thing that kind of uh, cements his role as newcomer of the year. Uh, but I, I think that Diakite is a great selection as well. Disruptive, disruptive, disruptive. That's what I've heard, uh, and you know I think he is more polished than people think. Uh, you know, you, you typecast, you, you hear the uh, in the name like that, and you're you're tempted to, to lump him into the Soroyes and whatnot, and it's just not the case. He's just much further along than those guys were offensively. Um, he's a, he's a, a really heady player that works his tail off and is you know, just thrilled to put on that jersey, and I think he's going to go down as a favorite for a lot of folks uh, when, all, when all is said and done, but he's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to give that one to Kyle, to Kyle Guy, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, defensive player of the year, Boney. Oh, man, I, I think we kind of touched on it earlier. I'm expecting that to be Devin. I mean, London has, his defense has come so far since he's been here, and I expect it to take that other that next step forward. I just still don't think he's going to be the guy to guard those really fast guards. And, and so when you're talking about on-ball defense, like the, like who's going to be the guy for us, I'm, I'm expecting that to be Devin. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Isaiah again. Um, I, I think like I touched on earlier, just, just the combinations we'll be playing down low in the post with Isaiah. Um, we'll free him up to really fly around like we saw Gil Mitchell and Darian Atkins do, uh, do for so long. Um, whereas really he... He's had the ability to do that, but but when you think of having to fall back on, on Anthony Gill's rim protector last year, it realistically probably couldn't take as many chances. Really being aggressive as aggressive with the hedge that we saw with uh, Akil Mitchell going out to nearly half court at some times. Um, same thing with the with the post doubles. It's really the energy that Isaiah has in terms of and all, uh, combined with sort of his 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 feel and knowledge for for. The defensive system, um, that combination, and knowing that he'll he'll have some room protectors behind him that can uh, maybe clean up a mistake or something like that. Um, I think that will the coaches will allow him to be a, more, a bit more aggressive in that regard. And I think it'll it'll pay dividends. Yeah, I mean that defense. that raises a good question though. That, um, you know, do you think we're going to see our guards be more aggressive defensively? You know, knowing that that we actually have some room protectors this year. Yeah, I mean, he's on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, it depends, but also within the pack line, I think guard defense is almost secondary. Most of the, I feel like most of the the action going on and, and the complexity happens in the post. Um, like mostly, we worry about our guards making sure they rotate over when 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 that post double comes, when we uh, have a have a really high hedge and anything like that. Um, I think we're, we're never really trying to force a ton of steals. Uh, in the backcourt, I mean, we'd love to. Um, and uh, one thing that I did notice uh, in a lot of those Europe videos was it seemed like uh, Darius especially was getting in passing lanes. So I think maybe like that, uh, maybe trying to jump some passes uh, across, uh, maybe going off of the aggression that we'll, we'll probably employ with Wilkins, like I mentioned, maybe having guys like, uh, like, like Darius and Marielle ready. Uh, to jump those lanes, I think that's that's where we could uh, use that to our advantage. 
Charlie? I'm going with Isaiah as well. Um, I love, I mean, I've talked a lot about Devin on this podcast tonight already, but I just, I don't know that we have the luxury of having a single guard. Like, I mean, Joe Harris did it. Malcolm has done it. John Tell did it. Like a single lockdown guard like we've had. Obviously, Malcolm did it. Um, and so I think it's going to depend, like our defense always has on, I mean, everything Daniel just said about Isaiah Wilkins. And one thing we haven't touched on, he's Isaiah is kind of in the way that Akil and Darion were. He's a he's he's loud out there. He's a communicator, and I kind of see him taking over the quarterbacking of our entire defense. Yep, I I think that's uh, great choices all the way around. I, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna say Diakite, and and I that might be a long shot because he he might not get the minutes that that some of these other guys uh, we are talking about will. But I think he is is unbelievably versatile, versatile and disruptive. Everything that we said about Isaiah Wilkins, I think that Diakite has the ability to do. He'll be a great um, he'll be a great. Uh, um, Hedger, I think he's the most athletic by far in that regard. I think he'll be good at post doubles. I think he'll be a good rotation guy. I think he can block shots. I know he can. Um, I think he'll cover more square footage than anybody. Um, so, you know, I, I think he has a chance to be an absolute defensive star. Uh, now, will that actually happen, you know, this year? Um, you know, I don't know, but I'll go ahead and throw just to be different. I'll go ahead and throw my vote for him. All right, real quick. I would urge people, just uh, going off of Diakite, um, to watch the, I think it was the second game in Europe, the last play uh, in the, the Virginia Sports TV highlight video after yes. uh, I think Jerome hit the three. The way he, he sort of stepped up on uh, whoever had the ball on the other team and sort of closed out, backed him into the corner, and you could see the length and the, the, the quickness of his feet in that. and. Yep. I think Tony touched on it after the game, but I think that's a good preview of what we expect from him and, and what he can really offer us. Uh, and, and it's a lot of different things he can offer us defensively. Absolutely. And and for the sixth man of the year, let's just, this is really up in the air. We don't know who's, who's going to start at the last spot. And, and, you know, we obviously have no idea how the rotation is going to roll out, but let's just say real quickly who you expect to be the, the best role, the, the most important role player, on the team, you know, we can call it that or the six man. Let's let's run through this, Phony. Yeah, I mean, for all the reasons you guys mentioned, I think the the most excitement I'm going to see when someone is getting subbed in is when Diakite is coming in because we're hey, we're just not going to know what what he's going to be capable of, and except it's going to be a lot of good stuff. I'll uh, I'll go with Jared Ryder. I think he's going to be someone that can come off the bench and and really stay within his role and know how he can help the team and uh, whether that's that's the aggressive. Uh, the defensive end on the on the glass, uh, whether that's use some of his footwork and post moves and whatnot. I think um, he has an understanding. He's sort of like someone like a Justin or, or, or uh, a Toby who can go in and sort of understand what their role is, uh, know that maybe they're not starting or whatever, but they can still find ways to contribute. I'm going with Kyle Guy. I see him. I have just a little bit of concerns about his durability is he is somebody who's still very slender. And so I could see him sticking in the six man role, maybe for this entire season and filling it up from there. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what role he fills no matter what, but I, I could see him coming off the bench and playing maybe half the game to starters minutes from there. 
I agree. That's where my pick is, Kyle Guy. I think Devin Hall is absolutely locked in. Your 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 backcourt starters will be London Perantis and Devon De- Devon Devin Hall for the uh, entirety of the year. And I think that Kyle Guy is going to be your sixth man. And I think that he is going to score in bunches. And I think it's going to be better for him that way. I think that he'll struggle a little bit defensively. Uh, I think that. Sometimes this, you know, this team has lacked a guy that, that you can bring off the bench and be an immediate scoring punch. And I think that's what he's going to provide. He's going to excel at that role. And then he will be uh, the man next season. Um, that, that's going to be my prediction, my prediction for uh, sixth man. So, all right, guys, we, uh, you know, I, I, I think we should just kind of move forward to wrap this up. This has been, uh, uh, we're running a little long here, but I wanted to at least get out of everybody, you know, at least a brief, what do you expect this year? Obviously, you know, it's, we all just expect to be good. Uh, that's what we've been, uh, you know, uh, trained to do. I, I, I think we all want Final Fours. Will this team take a step back? Will they be as good? Will they be better? Just give me your, you know, two minutes on what your expectations are for this, for this season, and then we'll kind of wrap, wrap things up. Phony? Man, I feel like I had a much better idea of what to expect from the team last year. This year, I really think the sky's the limit, but you're depending a lot on the newcomers. So I'll stick with it. I think it's what I picked last year is, is Elite Eight. Maybe I picked Final Four last year. I don't know. I, I It wouldn't surprise me. Nothing nothing would surprise me with Tony Bennett uh, coaching things, but we've really got to get some experience. And so they're either going to have to get it very quickly in the ACC, which could very well prepare them for a big tournament run, you know, or it's just going to take this season for the this nucleus to, to come back even stronger. Daniel? I think it's going to be a fun season. Um, I think it, it's really hard to predict with so many moving pieces, but um, I don't expect any sort of a notice, noticeable step back. Um, I think we, we're in a position now where we legitimately reload, um, and I think that hopefully that continues for some time. But uh, I've, I've been excited. I remember saying in this episode last year that I was somewhat more excited for this season than last season. Um, and, I mean, the reasons for that, we've, we've gone over all of them tonight, is that we just have so many exciting players and so many different options and different ways we can construct this team that I think it's going to be really fun to see how it plays out. Um, I think uh, just how good the league is this year, I think we'll, we'll just naturally... I think our, our record might naturally be a little bit, um, I mean, not, I don't want to say worse, but we might have a little bit fewer wins than we have. In oh, the the ACC is going to be tougher. Yeah. 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 And so, but I don't think it, I don't think like, I don't think it means we'll drop to like 15 or 20. I think it's just going to be that everyone's going to have a lot of, take a lot of lumps. So um, I think we'll be right there in that top 10 most of the year. Um, I don't know. I, I hate, predicting stuff but i'm mean, uh, starting to believe in destiny and uh, i'll just i'll say we make our final four this year and, and things click at the right times after how bad things went last year it's hopefully maybe we can get some uh turn that mojo around charlie i think we win the championship of the emerald coast classic for sure <laughs> um, bold um i don't know i think they're going to be some dicey moments in November and December because, as we all know, our coach is a little bit of a tinkerer during those months as he tries to assemble that eight, nine guys he wants to go through in conference play. And I think those dicey moments might lead to some fan bedwetting. Um, but I think 
overall, um, I think this team is going to be much stronger in Feb- late February and March than it is in November and December. And I don't think it's necessarily, it's certainly going to be more versatile. And I don't necessarily think it's going to be a step back from last year. I could see us making an, another elite, elite eight run. And once you get that far, I mean, it comes down to some bounces of the basketball, but the possibilities are there. Let's see what happens. Absolutely, guys. The, the bottom line is, you know, we'll be good enough to be in a position to make a run. There, there's no question. Uh, uh, you know, will we make that run? You got to be a little lucky. You got to, um, you know, th- there's there's some things that have to happen once you get there. But I, I think that, that you know, th- this team is, is talented enough to do anything. Uh, but they're, they're young enough and inexperienced enough, you know, to maybe let you down a time or two. And the bottom line is um, this program is at a, at a level that, you know, I, I didn't know was attainable um, when, you know, growing up or, or, you know, being around and, and, you know, pouring my heart and soul into uh, so many losing seasons. So I'm just drinking it all in and loving every minute of it. And I, I don't expect any kind of significant step back. Uh, we will be a, a, a one or two seed, I believe, in the NCAA tournament. Um, and, you know, hopefully this will be the year that, that we make our run. But if not, uh, I'm still going to be awfully thankful that this program um, is is where it is. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud uh, of, of the program and, and of these kids. So um, let's see what happens. And uh, we're, we're pumped to, uh, to be here with you guys uh, through the whole season. So let's let's kind of let everybody sign off. Um, tell everybody where they can find you and um, uh, say some parting words and we'll we'll cut this uh, movie length podcast uh, <laughs> off for the night. So, Phony, go ahead. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at if Tony tweeted. Uh, you know, we, we try to be active uh, really a lot during the games and I'm, I'm on Facebook in, in case your mom wants to see what I'm saying too. I, I'm excited for the season. I really have no idea what to expect and, and preparing for tonight. Like, I mean, I'm switching up my, my picks for these things as we're going through them because this could fall so many different ways but i i think regardless it's going to be a good team we've got a great coaching staff and uh it, it's going to be a tough acc this year but man there's going to be some excellent basketball and i hope everyone sticks with us uh through the season to see what it has in store for us amen daniel yep uh at embrace space uva on twitter um pretty active on there um yeah just echo that i'm just i'm so excited i mean there's it's basically following UVA basketball is like my favorite thing in the world. And it's just such a great feeling to be almost back in the actual season. Um, just very excited to, to sort of be in that and go on that ride once again. Very well said, buddy. Charlie? You can find me at University Ball on Twitter and at University Ball on Medium. That is where game previews, opinions on news, other things will be living this season. Um, grateful to be back chopping it up with Boney and Mike and Daniel again and just excited for this season. Excellent work, guys. Real quick, uh, I want to give a shout out to our, our NBA uh, players who we're very proud of and uh, expect big things out of this season. So. To uh, Joe, Malcolm, and Justin, you know, we hope you really kick some ass this year. We're pulling for you. Uh, hopefully, we'll get all those guys on the podcast this year. I'm going to do my best, and uh, Phony is going to be working on them, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, you can find me at Wahoo Basketball on Twitter. I will be doing some feature writing for Cavs Corner uh, this week. I'll be posting my annual game-by-game prediction uh, thread, so make sure to check that out. Uh, uh, we are just thrilled that the season is back. We're, we're pumped to be back with you guys. 
We'll keep everyone posted on our content and updates. And uh, look, let's uh, let's get primed for another big year. And on that note, wahoo wah.